Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. Excited to share this word that I felt God give me um, for this point in time. And um, this is the verse that God really highlighted to me. It's 1 John 1, 7, and it says this, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Matthew 5, 14 says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Ephesians 5, 8 says, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. John 8, 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The title of my message this morning is called Turn the Lights On in Our City. Turn the lights on in our city. What is the light that I'm talking about? It's you and I. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. And the moment he enters our life, the lights turn on. And the Bible's not contradicting itself when it says, you are the light of the world. And then God says, I am the light of the world. What he's saying is, is that when we receive Jesus, we recognize that he died on a cross for our sins and we receive him. And then when Jesus ascended, after he resurrected, he ascended to heaven and sent us the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, we have the light of Jesus on the inside of us. He shines through us. And it's kind of like when you think about receiving of the Holy Spirit and the lights turning on. And, and the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God as a gift? You do not belong to yourself. I love that. If I belonged to myself, I would trademark myself all the time. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for living on the inside of me. Thank you for allowing me to lean into you that you can lead and direct my life. And that's what the Bible is talking about, that we are housing the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And the moment that we receive him is, for me, the moment that all the lights turn on and we see things as they really are. If you think about it, like when you're in darkness, you go to sleep at night and it's, it's all dark. You, you, you can't really see anything. Even when you get up in the middle of the night and you want to, you know, go to the restroom or whatever, and you're kind of like feeling your way through darkness and inevitably you stumble on the corner of something, um, you know, and, and get hurt. Or, you know, when it's dark, you, you're not really sure what's there. And then all of a sudden you turn on the lights and you're like, oh. Oh, that's the corner of the bed. Oh, that's the pile of laundry that I do not want to see. That's the stuff on the ground that I had to walk by. When the light comes on, we see the good, we see the bad, we see the ugly. And um, I believe it's the same that happens when we receive Jesus and the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, we are no longer stumbling our way through darkness we're no longer denying and going past those don the the laundry that's dirt. all of a sudden we can see things right from wrong we see things the way they really are uh, when I was in Ecuador, I, I grew up in, in New York till I was 11 then I moved to Ecuador my family are missionaries there and 
Um, I, I lived there from 11 to 18. So in essence, I became more Latina than anything else. Yo hablo español, hablo español, okay, yeah. So speak Spanish, I learned the culture, the language. By the time I came back to the U.S., I was more Latin than I was American. And, and I had to relearn the culture here. I had to relearn the language, everything. And so um, I came to go to university, and they brought the university students in. I was considered an international student. Um, and they brought us in a week early to get accustomed to the way of life because we were not used to it. And so we did that, and so I came. And, and when I arrived at my college campus, I arrived with two duffel bags. Anybody know what duffel bags are? Like military people use them to travel. I was not aware that I was a missionary kid until I came back to America with two duffel bags to go to college, and I stuffed those duffel bags full of clothes and a coffee pot. I'm ready for life. I'm like, here we go. Clothes and a coffee pot. I am ready. And I felt really good about that until the day came when all the other students arrived. And then I peer out my little window of the fourth floor of the dormitory that I was staying in, and I see the flood of students come in. But they don't come in with a duffel bag. They're coming in with station wagons and U-Hauls and like all these things that I'm looking and, and literally the girl next door across the hall from me is literally legally blonde. Like she is rolling out the, the fluffy pink carpets and the, the, the pillows and the ambiance and the, and, the, and the lights and all of these things. And I remember being in my room like, oh, I'm a missionary kid. Like legally blonde, beautiful and two duffel bags. I was not aware until I encountered something totally different. That's like us when it comes to Christianity. We are living in darkness. We are unaware until the light turns on and we see something totally different. Now, thank God that I met friends very quickly and one of the mothers very quickly realized that I came with two duffel bags. And so she introduced me to this wonderful place called Target. And my life was forever changed. <laughs> so Target and Jesus will be just fine. No, Jesus is way better. Okay, so once the lights turn on, that's at the point that transformation has an opportunity to begin. That's when transformation can start in our life. And I don't want us as Christians just to get saved and then that's it. When the lights turn on, it's the moment that we have an opportunity to live the best life on earth until we get to heaven. So we need to start living eternity now. And the thing about that is when we do that and we have these joyful, peaceful, wonderful Christian lives, people are attracted to that. In fact, you don't even have to evangelize. People are literally attracted to the peace that's on the inside of you, to the light, to the love, the joy. The most miserable Christians on earth are the worst evangelists. Like a miserable Christian, horrible evangelist. We're going to be honest this morning, okay? You're doing good with me? Because it doesn't show the change, the difference, the transformation. If we just get saved and don't live the life of a gospel, that's not attractive to the world around us. But I found when we do, when we let the gospel of Jesus transform us, all of a sudden, we don't even have to evangelize. People are attracted to the light of God on the inside of us. Can I get an amen? 
Amen. Okay, so I'm going to share a couple of truths that are going to help us today as Christians walk out our Christian life. That moment that we have the opportunity to be transformed. There's lots of them throughout the Bible, but I'm going to share a few that have made the difference for me. So the first one is be aware of when we sin and take responsibility for what we have done. Not popular, but will help us. (laughs) This is going to help us. Be aware of when we sin and take responsibility for what we have done. I love it because you see this all through the Bible. I I love the life of David. He lived a magnificent life from shepherd boy to taking down Goliath. I mean, just an extraordinary human being, but his life was not without drama. There's so many ups and downs and upheaval in that man's life. And I was reading about David, and in Psalm 51, um, this is the, the kind of context or the background to the story of David. This is at a point in his life he has won so many battles, but he decides one day to stay behind and not to go to battle, and he winds up in sin. He winds up having an affair with a married woman, um, finds out she's pregnant, and then has her husband killed in battle. Bad day. Don't do that. But we can learn from David because the extraordinary thing about David is that when that happened, he, he actually didn't even just jump to confessing his sin. He didn't run to, to, to any, all of it. He was like a blind spot. Like sin sometimes can blind us to our own actions. And he's living in his pain and his hurt and the things that have gone wrong. And, and God so graciously, so wonderfully sends him the prophet Nathan. And there's the prophet Nathan comes into his life and says to David and points out the blind spot in David's life. And he does so by sharing a story about a person that did exactly what David did. And then David says, well, we need to. And he lists out all the consequences. And then David's like, who is this man? Like, who is this man that has done this? And Nathan, the prophet says, you are that man. And then David pens these words, which I find extraordinary. Psalm 51, 1 through 3, it says this, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had sinned with Bathsheba, says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to your greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my wickedness and guilt and cleanse me from my sin for I am conscious of my transgressions and I acknowledge them. My sin is always before me. What I love about David is even though he was in his mess, when the truth came to him, when the blind spot was revealed by a leader and a prophet in his world, he did not run from God. He ran right to Jesus, confessed his sin. He knew it. He didn't hide it. He didn't deny it. He brought it forward. And the Bible says that Jesus heals him. How good that it says that, that, that he was thoroughly washed from his wickedness and his guilt. That's the love of God and the healing of God, that you don't have to walk around carrying that sin that's bringing guilt and shame and condemnation. That's from the devil. When we confess our sins to God, he's faithful to heal us. When we go to God, we have something to leave at his feet. How good is that? I want to leave the dirty. I want to leave the sin. I want to leave the things at the feet of Jesus, at the one that can do something about it. And when we do that, we can be free. Like David, when we take responsibility for sin, 
when we have messed up, we can leave it at the feet of Jesus and no longer let that sin steal from us any longer. And it's not like Tony Robbins' behavioral change. Now you need to do 15,000 things because of that. No, the truth is when we actually deal with things properly, we bring the sin before God and allow God to forgive us and heal us. Behavioral change is a byproduct of the healing. All of a sudden, we like the healing more than we like the sin. So it's out of a place of love that we don't go back to the things that we've been involved in because we love healing so much. We love Jesus so much. We're so grateful that we no longer have the taste for what we did before. Number two, don't live in denial. Christianity isn't for the lazy fare. Christianity is not pretend that bad things don't happen. I live in gumdrops, lollipops, and clouds all day long. That has not been the story of my life. The reality is we've all been through some stuff. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But I have found that when we instead embrace truth, let it surface and deal with it properly, then we don't let that brokenness continue to wreak havoc and cycles in our life that will keep us bound to the things that got us there in the first place. Denial can become delay. If we deny brokenness, we can become bonded to it. Denial by definition is a refusal to admit the truth. When we don't admit the trauma, the pain, the hurt that we've actually experienced, when we stuff it down, it's like burying our feelings alive. They're still there, but they're buried. And at some point, they're going to come up from the grave. They will come up from the grave. So I would rather than being, oh my gosh, when's this going to come? I would rather bring, be vulnerable, bring it forward. God, deal, help me, release it. Let, let me heal from those things. I don't have to live in fear of my history or my past when I face the truth. I heard this quote and, and I love it. It says, if you never heal from what hurts you, you'll bleed on people who didn't cut you. If you never heal from what hurts you, you'll bleed on people who didn't cut you. It's important in our transformational life because even those blind spots, even those things, they can begin to hurt ourselves and others when, when, we're not, when we're not taking responsibility. And only you and I can take responsibility for our own hearts. Only you and I can take responsibility for the transformation that happens on the inside of us with the help of Jesus. And the Bible says in John 8, 31 through 32, so Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed in him, he was talking to believers, if you abide in my word, continually obeying my teachings and living in accordance with them, I love that because we can read about obedience all day long, but unless we apply it, it's not helping us. So continually obeying my teachings and living in accordance with them, then you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, free from the penalty of sin. We bypass the penalty of sin when we actually allow truth to surface in our world. How good is that? That's why the Bible says that truth sets us free. Let what's hidden in darkness come to light in the right way, and then we heal and we can move past it. We can move forward in our lives. How many of us, it's time to move forward? Tell your neighbor, let's move forward. Okay, how do we move forward? Point number three, I'm so glad you asked. Well done. Point number three, live accountable. Live accountable. Come on a little journey with me, okay? You ready? There's been something that's really taken grip here in America, and they're calling it the Peter Pan syndrome. 
I'm not a counselor. I'm not a psychologist. I don't pretend to be, but I do study humans because I've been a part of helping them for a really long time. And I've been in pastoral care and helping people for the last 14 years. And I've seen it clear now more than ever, especially here in America. They say it's called Peter Pan syndrome. And what that means is I never want to grow up. It means we're growing older physically, but somewhere because of pain or trauma or hurt, our emotions are stunted and we stop growing on the inside. And so just like Peter Pan, when you think of the movie and the Lost Boys and all of that, it was creating this fantasy world where they never had to actually grow up and it doesn't work out. It doesn't go well for the person. Have you guys ever heard that commercial like, I don't want to grow up, I'm a Toys R Us kid. Come on, y'all have sung it. Okay. Not a good commercial. I don't want to grow up on maturity. It's time to grow up. We've got to grow up spiritually. We've got to grow up in our maturity. We've got to grow up in our emotions. I know it's not popular. But that's transformation. It's when we learn from our mistakes. We learn from the things that we've been involved in. It's not that they don't happen. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all been entangled in sin, but what do we do with it? If we will learn to grow, God can really heal us from that place. Living like this in denial of pain, trauma, emotionally stunted in our growth looks like this. And, And this is what the world is calling it. So the person won't go deep. Delays tough conversations because feelings are too overwhelming to deal with, so they try to stay superficial. People will laugh it off instead of opening up. If you start a vulnerable conversation, they all of a conversation, they all of a sudden immediately need to divert and go fix something. Like you're having a deep, a beginning of a deep conversation. All of a sudden, they're like, "Um, "I need to all of a sudden, my, I think we need to fix the TV right now," and you're like, "I thought we were fixing this right now." They keep postponing conversations they know they should have. Everything is about them because they have no bandwidth to discover you because that could lead to deep. So they stay focused on themselves. They become defensive. If you bring something up, the blame game begins. They have commitment issues. They won't schedule future plans because they may not be there for them. There's a lack of follow through. They want a relationship but are not ready to be relational. They don't own their mistakes. In other words, they are not accountable. And everything will seemingly be beyond their control. It will be the family's fault, the boss's fault, the email that came in. They feel more alone than ever because there's an intimacy gap in their relationships. That's a horrible state to be in. You've been saved from so much, and then all of a sudden, instead of growing in the things of God, and and because of the history that we we have had, and maybe the childhood and the family that we grew up in, and the things that have happened to us, if we don't deal with those things appropriately, then all of a sudden it will rob us from the future that we're actually meant to have. And the way to, 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 to go against the grain, because... This, this person is not the person that we want to be. And how many of us know? This isn't us, like I'm talking about a friend of a friend, right? Listen, all of us at some point or another, we, we've dealt with our pains and our traumas and our things, but it's, it's time to, to have the antidote to the Peter Pan life. 
And let me help us. The antidote to a Peter Pan life is to live accountable. And when I say live accountable, I don't mean live accountable to the one. So like the world's answer to this problem is um, spend a lot of money on a mentor, um, have an accountability partner. I'm like, that is so baffling to me. Like the accountability partner is meant to hold you accountable for the things that you have done and the things that they don't know that you've done. It's so messed up. And I had a problem with this. And I was really asking God about it. Like, God, I don't get it. Like this whole thing has gripped the world of this mentor and accountability. And then I felt God say, oh, Stacey, that's because people are trying to replace me with a person. He's given us the light the Holy Spirit on the inside of us that leads us, the Bible says, into all truth. When we don't listen, when we don't come to the voice of our Savior, to the Holy Spirit, uh, with the things that we're dealing with, and instead we immediately divert to a person, that person has the opportunity to become an idol in our life, what they were never meant to be. And isn't that so real? I've heard it over and over. I met with so many people and we'll be discussing something very real and they're like, well, I'm not going to actually, you know, be involved in the community. I'm not actually going to go to Connect Group. I'm not going to actually, because I have a mentor in Seattle. And I'm like, that person has no idea the state of your life. And I'm not preaching against accountability. I'm saying to live accountable. But what I mean is, let's not live accountable to the one, let's live accountable to the many. First and foremost, yeah, we live accountable to the Holy Spirit himself, to the word of God, to the obedience of God. We live accountable. The light of heaven is shining upon us. Let's live accountable to him because we love him. We have a relationship with him. And then let's have many friends in our life. Let's have many leaders in our life. Let's go to a robust church like this one. Let's have, let's be in relationship with one another. Let's learn from the masses. Let's be accountable to the actual community that we have been in. I'm kind of like this. If somebody wants to point out something, a blind spot in me, I'm like, you know what? Let me hear it. And it's hard to do that. It really is for all of us. Human nature is like, oh, I don't want you to see my pain, my trauma, my hurt, my things. I don't want you to see. But if actually we'll open ourselves up to the right people, God himself first, and then to the people that God's provided in our life. Because when we don't have a blind spot, just kind of like with David, when we have a blind spot, God was so faithful. He was blind to his own sins. So he sent in a prophet. So he sent in a leader. That's what happens when a leader comes to us and begins to share about a blind spot that we don't have. Let us not refuse it. This is what the, the, the Bible says. It says in Psalm 141.5, let the righteous thoughtfully strike me. And when it says strike me, it means correct me. Correct me. This is what the Bible says. It is a kindness done to encourage my spiritual maturity. It is the choicest anointing oil on the head. Let my head not refuse it to accept and acknowledge and learn from it and learn from it. How good is that? Like, that's so hard. It's like, that's the very thing we don't want to do. And yet God's like, no, 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 no. When we have a blind spot and somebody comes alongside of us and begin to share with us, let us lean in, not push away. At the very minute, our human nature wants to go, no, no, no. That's when we should go, okay, let me eat the meat and spit out the bones. Let's be gracious to one another when that happens. Do you think that prophet Nathan loved having that moment with David? 
No, no leader loves that moment, but we love you enough to not leave you hurt and pain and in trauma to yourself and to those that surround you. Many of us love to the extent where we'll put our friendship on the line to see you set free. That's real love. That's real truth that helps one another. It's time for us to live accountable, to bring bring things to the light. Because if we don't, the alternative is the world will. And God gives us opportunity to correct ourselves and live intentionally and live accountable to Him and to people, to work on our character. That's part of the transformational life. When that, when, when there's a blind spot there, then God will bring in a person alongside of you to help you see that. And if that no longer works, then the Bible talks about how the world will then put you on a platform. And we've seen the magazines. They're not pretty. It's like they, they love to raise people up just to tear people down. And the way to not be that person is to live accountable, is to actually live pure before one another and before God. Does that make sense? Okay. Number four. Build a daily relationship with Jesus. I know this is like, yeah, of course, Stacey, that's called being a Christian. This is not huge revelation, but I actually think it is because so many of us, including myself, can just get caught up with life. And we're a Christian, but are, are we living out our Christianity? I realized I don't want to do a devotional. I want to be devoted. I don't want to read my Bible. I want to meet with my Savior. This concept of, I don't want to be devotional. I want to be devoted. I began to realize that. I was talking with a friend of mine, and we were just chatting about life. And and we were chatting about how... uh, we're like, man, we've been through so many things. And I'm like, probably people would never know from the life that, you know, I have now a lot of the, the pains, the traumas, the things that I have been through. And we were talking to one another about how, how has that not taken me out? I meet with people that it, takes that it takes them out. So I'm like, how is it that these things that are very real in my life that have happened to me or, or, or I've been involved in, how has that not taken me out? And we both came to the conclusion, it's because we actually have a true relationship with Jesus. It's not just being, it's just, I'm a Christian. It's no, I, I am living out my relationship with Jesus daily. I really believe in him. I really love him. I really spend time with him. And we began to realize that if we would do our, our be in relationship with Jesus on the daily, that that could actually be the thing that sustains us throughout our lives. The, the Bible says in Proverbs 24, 10, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And we began to realize because we have a relationship with Jesus on the daily, that when the real traumas come, when the real things happen, like David, David took care of the, the you, you hear him say how he kept um, his eye over the sheep, that he took out the bear, that he took out the lion before Goliath ever came. 
And I think some of us have to learn how to be in relationship with Jesus on the daily so that when the trauma, when the real things come, we like David can cut off the head of a Goliath. We like David have five smooth stones in our pocket to go ahead and release that when that giant comes, he can fall to the ground because we've actually healed on the daily. We've lived our life on the daily with Jesus. So we won't be taken out. And it kind of looks like this. Instead of doing a devotional every day, I decided in my own life that I wanted to meet with Jesus every day. And so when I, I'm just going to share how I do it. Is that okay? And the many different ways to do this, but this has really helped me along the way. Instead of just grabbing my Bible and doing my devotional, I realize that this is the living word of God. This is not like any other book. It's not like a novel that you just pick up and read. It's not like an informational source that you just get. It is Jesus himself in written form. It's the living word of God. And so I'm like, okay, I can't treat it just like a book. So instead, what I do is in the mornings or whenever, whenever I can, I will sit down and, and I'll get my Bible out and I'll have my wonderful coffee, which helps me in the, you know, just how many people know, like coffee just literally, I'm like, it's amazing how it helps in so many things. Yeah, it's great. And so I have my little coffee there and, and I'll have my Bible and, and then I will close my eyes. In fact, let's all do it together. Why don't you close your eyes? This is how I do my mornings. This is how I read my Bible. I close my eyes and I do that to let the distractions of the world begin to fade away. And I stop and I begin to, to realize Jesus is here. I'm meeting with Jesus. I'm not running to the the where I am stopping and I'm going to receive from from Jesus. And I'll start off by thanking God and praising God. I'll, I'll picture Him. Right now as you're sitting there, just begin to picture Jesus. He's real. He, he's, he's our Savior. He's our loving God. That's why the Bible says, taste and see that He's good. It's an experience. It's not just something you read about. And I'll wait until I feel or acknowledge that His presence is there. And then I'll begin to thank Jesus. How many of us know that, you know, it's like when I meet somebody even now and I meet them and they don't even call me by name or anything. They just start telling me their problems. I'm like, hi, I'm Stacy. <laughs> I feel like sometimes we do that with Jesus. He's like, hi, I'm Jesus. Let's build a relationship. He wants to build a relationship with us. And so instead I realize I'm building a relationship. And, and as I begin to thank God and talk to God, I don't all of a sudden talk in King James Version. I don't begin with, oh, holy, thou wast Lord of my life. I don't talk like that. And the Bible says that we should talk to Jesus like, like he's closer than a brother. How do you talk to your brother? Like he knows you. Like you know him. And I began to think about Jesus like you know me. You designed me. You created me. You know my thoughts. You know my every ways. And then it begins to change how I begin to speak to him. And I speak to him normal. Like, but like me. Like, like he's there. So I'll just begin to thank Jesus. Jesus, I thank you so much. Thank you that you're here. Lord, I thank you that you love me. 
I thank you that I'm seen by you, God. Oh my goodness, as you begin to put Jesus in his rightful place, all of a sudden the inner workings of your world begin to shift and change. All of a sudden your feelings begin to shift and change. All of a sudden everything begins to be adhered by by who God is. They they bow to the word of God, who he is in your life. And I'll just take that time and I thank him for his presence and receive of him. And, and then I'll begin to, 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 to talk about maybe the things that do concern me. Because do you know that the Bible says that the things that concern you concern him? And I begin to realize many people sit in their quiet time and try to push everything away. I don't. I bring it all forward. I bring it to the God who cares about every intimate detail. And I feel like when I do that, he will clear out the cobwebs. So I will bring, if I'm thinking about, oh, that, that person, that situation, God, I bring that before you right now. I don't know what to do with it. Lord, I release that person to you, Jesus. Show with me how to walk that out. Or, or the to-do list, or even the shopping list, or whatever the things are that are, that, are, that, are, that are concerning our mind. I release it. God, I feel overwhelmed. There's so many things going on. Would you help me? Would you send angels? Would you have divine? intervention. God, I thank you that you're helping me. And I will take all the things that have worried me, that have concerned me, that have preoccupied me, and I bring them to Jesus. And then I'll listen for him. God, what do you, what do you want to say to me? God, what do you think about this? What do you think about me? Oh my goodness, he loves us so much. He's loving kindness. He's tender mercy. It's amazing. I can hear 1,000 compliments from humans, but one from God, and it's like it. Oh, it just, it it brings warmth to my soul. When Jesus says, I'm proud of you, I see you, I know you, that relationship begins to grow. We can all look up right now. How good does that feel? Does that feel good? Did you guys like feel? And then at that moment when I open my eyes and and I pray, oh God, speak to me through your word. I'm going to... I'm going to read of the things of you, God. Show me what you want to show me. Reveal to me what you want to reveal to me. And then I open the word of God and I read until I get something. Sometimes it's one line. Sometimes it's a whole chapter. Sometimes it's understanding the context behind what's being said in the word of God. But I'll just wait until I get something that I can live and obey. I'll get something that brings me peace, that surpasses understanding, that's going to help me in my day. I don't just read to read. I read to meet God. And my relationship grows. I just know if we begin to do that, my goodness, every day, the relationship with Jesus is strengthened. It's robust. It's real. And then when something comes to our life that's concerning, We know what to do with it because we've done that every day. I'm telling you that that number four, build a daily relationship with Jesus that is literally living out Christianity. It's what will make us attractive to the world. It's why you and I can go through something and our neighbor that doesn't know Jesus can go through the same thing, but it won't take us out, but it may take them out. Thank God we can be the light in their world. Thank God that when we learn how to do this, we can be the light of heaven to the neighbor and they can see something different in us 
than they see about their other worldly friends. And they will come to you. They will want to know how you had peace through your storm. They will want to know how you dealt with that tragedy. And yet you're still standing here today loving God, having peace and joy in your world. I'm telling you, that's how we bring people to Easter service. They will be, they will be gripping you. How do I come? How do I know about what you know about? Because the life of God is so real in our lives. My last point is this, and I'll wrap it up in point number five. Let God restore you every time. Let God restore me every time. Every time I've messed up. Every time I've come to the end of myself. Every time. Let God restore me. And this is what I love about David. He says this in that same chapter, Psalm 51, and I encourage you to read that whole chapter. It's magnificent. And it says in Psalm 51, 12, David, restore me, he's speaking to Jesus, to the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. What is he saying? God, even though I've messed up so big, so huge, would you restore me to the very first moment that I met you? To before when I used to be stumbling in darkness and then I found the light of God. Until before I did all these things that I'm aware of, that I know my sin very well. Would you restore me to the very first time I met you and I met pure love, unconditional love, the joy of my salvation? Do you know how good God is? He does. And how do I know that he does? Because in David's own life, the very thing that we would say, disqualified, uh, David, you messed up big time. This, these are big mess ups. God is, God is not afraid of our big mess ups. In fact, he's like, bring them to me. <laughs> bring them to me. And David does that. And here's what's so extraordinary. I want you to understand this. The very place of sin, the very place that was once hidden in darkness, once brought to the light, Jesus will create a miracle and a legacy out of that. How do I know? Because Jesus himself chose to be born of the lineage of David. The very sin that he committed with Bathsheba and had a child, that child was Solomon. And if you follow the lineage, Jesus himself was born from the line of David, the lineage of David. The very thing that we would have thought would have disqualified him, Jesus is like, no, 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 because you knew how to bring it to me. That's my unconditional love. I want to show the whole world that nothing is too great for me. No sin, no thing that's happened. I will create a legacy. I will create a miracle out of your life if you will bring it to me. I will create the supernatural out of the natural. There is nothing that can keep us from the love of our Savior. Think about your own life. The very place where the devil tried to rob could be the very place that your miracle begins. It could be the very place where legacy is restored. The Bible says in Isaiah 1:18, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Did you ever see snow falling? We live in Southern California, so maybe we watched a movie where it happened. <laughs> I grew up in New York. Snow falling is a beautiful sight because it covers everything and it makes it beautiful. And God says, though our sins are red like scarlet, picture crimson red. And then the snow falling and covering it like it never happened. That's why you know you're healed 
when you can talk about your own story and have no attachment to the pain of it because you've been healed. It's almost like talking in third person. You're like, I don't even know how I'm telling this story. It did happen to me, but I have no attachment to the pain of it. Why? Because we've been healed. Because we've been forgiven. We have no attachments to the pain of it. It's beautiful. Could everybody stand to their feet? Now, the first verse that I read should make so much more sense to us. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light, if we are transparent before God and one another, as He is in the light, Jesus, the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, we have fellowship with one another. That's why God came up with the idea of community. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. The antidote to immaturity, the antidote to a Peter Pan syndrome is to live accountable, is to actually come to men and women's prayer. An environment that's been set up to allow us to learn our authority in Christ, to learn how to pray, and then to be vulnerable with each other. That's called accountability. It's like going to a connect group, another wonderful net that's been set up for us to be in relationship with one another, to move past the superficial, to get to know other people that are walking out this transformed life that we are working on. It's not to walk around in some version of perfection that we will never get to. Only Jesus was perfect and he was crucified. So he's saying, come on, we can do this together as a community. And Awaken Church, we didn't create these things to do Christian things. We really thought and prayed long and hard, what are going to be the things that can help us walk out our Christian life? And it's being in relationship with Jesus and with one another. And I'm so glad that we have an opportunity to live a very attractive, transformed life so that not only can we live our best life, but so that others can leave, live their best lives too. So why don't we all close our eyes right now? It's time to turn the lights on in our city. We are those lights. We're the flickering lights in our city. As the world grows darker, the Christians grow brighter. And if you're here right now and you're like, you know what, Stacy, it is time. It's time for me to live the transformed life that you're talking about. Yep, I might have gotten saved. Or maybe this is the first time I'm hearing uh, about living out a Christian life. You're like, you know what, I've been entangled in things. I've been dealing with things. But today, I want to commit my life to Jesus. Or I want to recommit my life to Jesus. And I want to walk out my relationship with Him. I don't want to... I don't want to check the Christian box. I don't want to do a devotional. I want to be devoted. I don't want to do Christianity. I want to be a Christian. If that's you in this place, I want to pray with you this morning to be refreshed by Jesus himself. And if that's you in this place, would you just raise your hand to heaven? I'm going to pray with you. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand in the back. I see that hand in the back middle. I see the hand in the back left. I see right here in the first section on my right, I see your hand. I see your hand right there in the middle. 
How good is God? What a great Sunday when we are committing and recommitting our life to Jesus himself. I want to do this for sake of time. I want us to all close our eyes. I want us to all lift our hands to heaven. And especially those ones that just lifted their hands. We're all going to pray this morning. And we're going to commit and recommit our life to Christ. We're going to walk out being a Christian this morning. So would everyone repeat after me? God, come on, let me hear you. God, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins, for my life. And I thank you, Jesus, for resurrecting and giving me resurrection life. Thank you for sending me your Holy Spirit. I receive you, Holy Spirit. Come alive on the inside of me. I thank you that you are the light inside of me. And I commit and I recommit to be in relationship with you. In your name I pray. Come on, let's get to hear a big amen. Let's praise God. He is glorious. He is wonderful. And why don't you just, the 30 seconds right now, everybody just lift your hands to heaven. God, oh God, Lord, we praise you in this place. We glorify you in this place. Lord, I thank you, God, that you have shined a light in our lives, oh Father, that no longer do we have to be entangled by our history, our past, our sin, the things that we've done knowingly and unknowingly. God, we confess those things before you. Lord, we bring them to you, whatever that area is in your life, whatever has been hidden in darkness, would you bring it forward to to Jesus himself this morning. Bring it to him. Leave it at his feet. It's not for us to deal with anymore. Let's be released of the entanglement. In the name of Jesus, let's ask for forgiveness of our sins and know that he is faithful to forgive us our sins, to wash us and to cleanse us and to refresh us. Oh Lord, we leave those things at your feet. And we thank you, God, that as we are faithful to you, you are faithful to us. And Lord, I pray this morning, God, as we are cleansed by you, Jesus, Lord, I thank you that the peace of your spirit comes to each and every one of us. I thank you that you are our joy in the morning, Father. And I thank you that we will live the most extraordinary, magnificent life that you say in your word that you have good plans for each of us. Thank you for your good plans. Thank you for your legacy that will come through each and every one of us. Thank you that we are the light on earth as you are the light of heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for your extraordinary love to each and every one of us. May we represent you well to those that surround us. In your most magnificent, glorious, wonderful name we pray. Can I get a big amen? Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com. Or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.